With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. Telling it as it is. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Happy Sunday, and I do hope you're having a blessed Sunday. Can you believe it's the 3rd of December already? And I'm coming to you from a very wet Sussex. Now, today, 21 years ago, I gave birth just to my left on my picnic mat that was from Asda. I think it was 20 quid and it washed clean at 40 degrees. My beautiful daughter, Oriana Rose, I went into labor I know, I know you're all going, I don't want to hear this. Listen, fellas, shut up. You all brushed a vagina on the way out. So I was in there talking to my sister in Australia at 2 a.m. We'd only moved into this house eight weeks before. And I felt a ping. And I thought, oh, gosh. I jumped up, ran to the toilet. Thank goodness the waters gushed into the loo. Husband was fast asleep in my son's bed. Missed the whole thing. I had a three, three and three quarter year old, 19 month old twins, four cats, and I was going into labor. I phoned the madwives and it seemed like forever. I heard them at the door at quarter past two, sorry, quarter past three, that was 2 a.m., by which time I was standing on my feet holding my daughter's head in my hands. And They rushed upstairs. I kept sort of shouting the husband, get the door, get the door. He was fast asleep. They never got a cup of tea because he ended up going back to bed. Anyway, three contractions. It was all over. And she was born at quarter past three. And and she's been keeping me on my toes ever since. Uh, What was really entertaining was my son ran in the room at about quarter to four, looked at this baby on my lying on my abdomen. I was on a picnic mat on the floor. These midwives said to me, could you get on the bed? I went, no, it's all my new bed linen. Anyway, he turned the light off. We were all in darkness. So (laughs) anyway, my husband, he then later got up. I bathed this child and got the others ready. And he took them off to a play area. Then I went downstairs and mopped the floor like you do. And the doctor arrived. And it was just after lunchtime. And he said, are you Mrs. Shamarani? I said, I am. I said, can you take your shoes off? I've just mopped the floor. He said, did you have a baby this morning? I said, yeah, I did. It's in here. (laughs) So it just goes to show you, see, it's not a medical condition having babies. It's something we've done. It's the way we all got here. Well, I feel truly, truly blessed to have a child that's 21 today. And there was another beautiful girl that was also 21. So this woman across the pond, across the Atlantic, same time as me, was getting pregnant. And I went and had a new call fold scan because I was 37 and they told me I was an old mum. How very dare they? And then they said the only way they could get a truly uh, unequivocal test that this child wasn't Down syndrome was to have an amniocentesis. And I said, I'm not going to do that because it's got a high risk of losing the child. I said, no, I'm I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna have this baby. Across the pond, another lady was getting told the same. And then they were advised to abort their child and they didn't. And so she had this beautiful girl as well. 
21 years old, would have been today, a few months ahead of mine. And she was a, a fabulous girl, absolutely fabulous. She had a red Mercedes sports car. She was about to go to college. She drove a jet ski. She drove her dad's ride on mower. She'd just been to her school prom. And I was very fortunate to meet her mom and dad in the summer when I spoke at the Red Pill Expo and I mentioned this beautiful girl. And when I got off the stage, her father was waiting for me. I'm getting teary now. He gave me a massive hug. And the reason why we were teary was because she had, she had a terrible crime that she'd committed. Terrible crime. And her crime was that she was a Down syndrome. Even though she was going to college, that was her crime. So we all know about the COVID, COVID, pandemic, scandemic. And I see on Twitter that people are rejoicing, thinking that people aren't going to be given these end-of-life drugs anymore. And they're very, very misled. But before I talk about those documents, I just want to remind you before I bring my guest on, this young woman who would have been 21 was given enough drugs to take an elephant out. They injected these drugs separately into her body and her body became a syringe driver and mixed them. Huge amounts, Presidex, lorazepam, finished her off with morphine. And then when her sister was begging for help because she saw that she was dying, the nonchalant nurses just leaned back and said, she said, do not resuscitate. They had no knowledge of that. Then they had a security guard to stop her father from resuscitating her when he came in. Can you actually believe what I'm telling you? This is the, in the, in the UK, we have the same. It's the National Homicide Service. And in America, well, they work on the same documents as us. And don't think you're any different in Australia. They're all working in lockstep. And I spoke to a doctor, uh, sorry, a, a journalist last week down in Bogota in Colombia. Same, same. So don't think that this genocide has stopped. This action T4, just like what they needed in Nazi Germany. Those worthy of living were allowed to live and those deemed not worthy. Well, right now, for those who are celebrating thinking it's all over, the latest document that's come out in the UK, it's just the same. It's just the same, only... They're not going to treat you when you get to the hospital. If you're 18 and over, what they're going to do if you're showing signs of having respiratory di distress, and this is all in the event of a pandemic. So don't think, oh, that's if we get a pandemic. No, they're planning one. They're planning one and they've handed everything over to Tedros the terrorist at the World Health Organization. And they're not even going to let you into the hospital. They're going to triage you at home or in the ambulance with the pulse oximeter or in the scare homes. And non-medical people are going to get to decide whether you get treatment or you get zero. And it's people who've got pre-existing conditions like beautiful Grace Shara from America. Do you know that they didn't just write on the front of her notes, her medical condition once? I believe they wrote it over 30 times. Down syndrome. Like stamping, stamping a document. The do not resuscitate was her down syndrome. The giving all the drugs was her down syndrome. Well, these new documents that have just come out on November the 30th on my, my birthday in the UK, I can 
can sh- you need to look at my Twitter account later today because I'm going to be sharing all the pages. If somebody rings an ambulance for you or rings the doctor unsuspecting and you've got anything wrong with you, if you've got a pre-existing condition, oh my word, this is not a safe place to go or be treated by. And those that have gone on to, to Twitter saying, you know, it's all, it's all over, you know, they're taking off these drugs. No, 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 no. Nothing's changed. It's actually much, much worse. This is a genocidal agenda. And if you go back to Nazi Germany, what they did first, they guillotined the elderly and the disabled. They guillotined them in the basements of the town halls. That's what they did. They literally chopped their heads off. Young adults, teenagers, disabled, elderly, Down syndrome. They guillotined them. Are you hearing this? And then they moved on to starving them, dehydrating them, giving them a concoction of drugs. That's exactly what they're doing. Removing all food, water and essential medication, dehydrating them. When I first started on here on TNT, I had beautiful Grace Shira's father on my show. And as I've said over and over and over again, and I've said it from the rooftops, I said it right in the beginning, February 2020, when I got kicked off the radio I was working for. I said, you know, they're going to come with a vaccine. Then I was in the rallies and I was talking on a megaphone. I was MC at the rallies. I've said it over and over and over again. And I said to the nurses, do not do the government's dirty work. Doctors can't be held accountable. It's in that palliative uh, prevention, sorry, prevention of euthanasia bill, clause 17. They can only get done for negligence. So it's going to stop at your feet, nurses, because you were the one that ultimately injected it. Ultimately injected it. Now, I don't believe in going into parliament and trying to get the politicians or trying to get um, the uh, drug companies. It's a bit like going after those that supplied the guns for the victims that have been killed and, and pinning the pinning the, the crime on them or going to the gun manufacturers, but leaving the gunmen on the streets to keep on shooting people. This is what's happening. The nurses are still injecting the COVID garbage vaccines and every other vaccine. No vaccine's ever been proven safe or effective. And they're still injecting huge amounts of drugs that are ending people's lives. They're still doing it. And the doctors are still prescribing it. You need to go after the individual nurses. Get lawsuits against them personally. They'll cack their pants. They'll soon think about what they're doing. They won't go, oh, I'm just doing my job. This is what they said at Nuremberg. I, I had a family to feed. I was doing my job. I didn't want to upset my boss. 900 pages, eight tons of evidence at the medical trials at Nuremberg. It didn't save them. They went to prison. They went to prison for life. And some of them were hanged. And that law has not changed under their own statute. Genocide, exactly the same. Death by hanging. When these nurses see one case, it's like going to be the opening of the floodgates. When the public realize what's been done to them, start the precedence of going after these nurses. It was a French general at the turn of the century when he was asked, what is an indication of a victor in battle? 
He said, it's never every, the, the biggest army or the ones that got the biggest firepower. It's always the army that advances, never retreats. You have to keep advancing, advancing, smite, fight small battles, small battles. Go after these individual nurses and doctors individually. That's exactly what Grace's dad's done. You heard him on the show. Scott Shara, welcome back to TNT. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here, Kate. I mean, your introduction is was absolutely outstanding, both from a, you know, a, a comic relief perspective, which I always enjoy your sense of humor, but also the truth. You know, if I would have known you before we went to the hospital, Grace would be alive today, and people have to realize there's truth tellers like you out there, and we've really got to pay attention because they have got our guard down right now. Not yours and mine, but the general population's guard is down and they're coming in for the kill. And I've got some breaking news I just received last night that I'll, I'll share as an open um, because this, this is big time stuff. And as you know, our lawsuit, we are going against the doctors and nurses and I want to give a complete update on the lawsuit, but this breaking news is too important, Kate. And what I learned last yesterday afternoon i i uh, i was on tnt yesterday afternoon and shared this but now i i dug into it a little bit more and it's i had predicted this about six months ago i said they're going to come up with an amnesty program and sure enough it was it just came out yesterday afternoon i'm going to read this to you uh it, this just shocks me and uh i hope everybody understands what this means we cannot have an amnesty program an amnesty program means this was a mistake. And you can see all the talking heads that are in this supposed medical freedom movement. Not all of them, Kate, you and I are telling the truth, but a lot of the talking heads are starting, they started turning about six months ago and started laying this out, this mistake idea that, oh, this was a mistake. Well, this was not a mistake. This was planned. So I'm going to read it. It says amnesty and, lim and leniency, leniency program. By the way, Kate, I am in an airport. That's why I'm not in a prison. So you look at my background, you wonder what's going on. I usually have this nice background, don't, but I just dropped don't Cindy, worry Cindy about. off at the... I just dropped Cindy off to, at the airport, and so I, it, her flight was is just getting boarded right now, so I had to have a place to land for this interview. So I'm in an airport booth right now for this interview. We, we wouldn't so, care yeah. if you were in jail. I, I was on with uh, the Aussie Cossack, and he was locked up in the embassy. Listen, I've been in jail. I wear it as a badge of honor. You can They yes. can shove all that where the sun doesn't shine. I'm not stopping because... <laughs> Uh, justice must be done and justice must be seen to be done. And that's exactly what you've done. You've gone after those that have ended Grace's life. So please do continue. Tell us about this amnesty. Amnesty right. for no so one. This is this is on my this is on my phone. So it says amnesty and leniency program. The amnesty and leniency program is endorsed by victims and survivors of COVID-related crimes against humanity who recognize that the malicious and powerful forces most responsible for their suffering and loss are not the ones who harm them directly in an effort to come forward in an effort to incentivize whistleblowers to come forward. This program was developed. Healthcare providers may upon the granting of a recommendation by the panel seek to seek to avoid criminal prosecution for violations of criminal law for administrating drugs, vaccines, and gene therapies, 
without informed consent of human patients by confessing his or her role in such illegal or improper activities. And this is wow. this is this is evil. Well, well, it is now. First of all, Scott, let me just tell you, we don't need an amnesty. Do you know why? Because every single one of those nurses signed, timed, and dated when they gave every single one of those drugs. It's just like writing your, writing out your confession with your own blood. We've got your signatures. It's all there in the controlled drug book and on the patient notes. And all you doctors, you signed it, you gave it. All of those guidelines state at the bottom, you don't have to do it. Your code of professional conduct tells you always work within the law. No amnesty for any of you. I'm a nurse. I would never kill anybody. That's why I spoke up. That's why I served the NMC, all of them on that panel, notice of genocide. We're going to go right now for a break with our sponsors and we're going to dig right deep. If, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there going, oh, oh, well, you know, they didn't mean to. Yes, they did. They knew exactly what they're doing. They were dancing on TikTok videos with their fat behinds squeezed into scrub outfits looking like well-stuffed Chesterfields, scrapping over food parcels, taking 30 pieces of silver for working at a vaccine pop-up clinic. I saw them. I saw them on the vaccine buses going to festivals where people were drunk and doing goodness knows what else. But uh, they shouldn't have even given it. They know exactly what they were doing. Group of midwives. Oh, I wouldn't vaccinate my own children, but I'm going to work at the vaccine clinic to save some money for Christmas. Ooh, you know exactly what you were doing. Let's go and have a word from our sponsors. And you can email me, tateshamarani at tntradio.live. Give me your, your crimes in tyrannical times. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative. And she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's, what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked in Loaded with Rick Mon on today's News Talk TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California years. has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. 
when I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, near 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. You have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. I'm Kate Shimarani, the natural nurse in a toxic world for TNT Radio. You can email me your medical crimes in tyrannical times, Kate Shimarani at TNTradio.live. Well, GlaxoSmithKline are set to make billions in the first year of their new vaccine for another respiratory virus that's affecting children, a pneumonia. I, I, I'm now at the stage, you know, this is all a lie. It's all a big lie. You can't catch a virus. It's a detox. The germ theory is exactly that. It's a theory, just like Darwin's theory of evolution. I am a Christian. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that's exactly what everybody needs to do. You need to get right with, with the Lord. And the only way is through the sun. Now, I'm very blessed today because it's my daughter's 21st birthday. I took her ice skating last week. Uh, not that I want to do that again in a hurry. Uh, 20 minutes in, I was like, why am I here? Um, that's why I've got feet, not blades. But anyway, you know, I, I feel so blessed. I did a little montage of loads of photographs and sent them to her at silly o'clock this morning while she was still partying. But I, I couldn't help but feel sad because I was looking over the notes of my guest today. And I met him. I went for lunch with Scott and his lovely wife. And we all sat and had a laugh over lunch and their friends. And um, it was jovial. But, you know, when you sit with people who've had their, their child murdered that would have been the same age as yours, it's very difficult. I almost feel guilty to feel joy. But the Lord does want us to feel joy. And we were told to turn it around. We must turn it around. 
this is what we're all doing here. This is our this is our our, our reason, and we we don't need to follow what they're saying. They are going to come with another pandemic. They are coming with loads more vaccines. They make you sick. This is what they're doing. They make you sick with what they spray on you, what they put in your food, everything, all the drugs. If you still believe that, that a doctor, I mean, when when someone tells me they're a doctor now, I say no one cares. No one cares. Did you listen to my interview last week? Dr. Alia Jazz. They don't learn anything at med school about nutrition, how to avoid and reverse disease or even health. That's why most of them sit there and look unhealthy and fat. All they learn is how to spot a symptom and apply a drug. Pimps. You're putting your faith in pimps. A cartel. Put your faith in the good Lord above. He tells us the herbs will be our medicine. It's too late for grace. It's too late for her, but she's in the best place. But I'll tell you, her father's taken up that task of turning it around. And, and he's not stopping. And he's gone to the courts. And those nurses were heard to say, now, now we're in trouble. Now we're not safe. Because they know what's coming. He's used, he spent so much money, all the money that he set aside to, to make sure his daughter would be okay in life, he's used it to fight this. And I'm so behind him. And I don't want amnesty for any of you nurses. And I know a lot of you, you watch me. And those of you that write terrible things, it's because your backside's twitching. You know you've done it. You know you've done it. You've signed it. You've done it. And I'm not going to stop. And if anything happens to anyone in my family, I'll go through the legal system. I'll find your name. And I'll see you in court because it will come. Do you know how I know it will come? Ah, oh, the devil never changes the script. You can go right back to the Aztecs. You can keep going back. They will blame you every single time because every single time in history, it's those that are entrusted to care for you that do their killing. So I'm going to give the floor to Scott now. Scott, give us an update. Tell us what's happening. Because you know what? I'm just going to be right behind you and be beside you and in front of you if you need me. Because I want to see justice for grace and for everyone. Grace is everyone. Grace, amazing grace is not just grace that was 21 today with my daughter. Her birthday was October, I think. Grace is every single person that's been murdered. Oh, you're Go right. ahead, Scott. Right on, Fill us in. Yeah, we are, we're fighting this for everyone. There was 1.2 million Americans murdered in hospitals during the 39-month COVID era. And I'm calling that an era because they, they, through the propaganda machine, have done a fantastic job of convincing people to move on. And it's ridiculous because this has been going on since the, the current eugenics mentality has been since the early 1900s. And then, of course, the Rockefellers jumped on and you know, we've got a complete uh, antichrist medical system right now. I did want to make one comment about what you just said, which is cute. You know, you mentioned about doctors. Uh, I was on a large radio program last week and the man introduced me as a doctor and I said, please don't give me a demotion. And, you know, he obviously <laughs> had his script wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the update on the lawsuit, I, I'll introduce the lawsuit first because you're right. We, we took an extraordinary step you know, so first of all, we're not after any money. People think, well, this is about money. I mean, medical lawsuits you know, in general are not about money because of 
uh, how the Antichrist system has put a um, a shroud around the whole medical profession. So you really can't sue them for money. In Wisconsin, for example, the limitation on a lawsuit is $750,000. And the odds of winning, statistically, you can look this up, is, is one in 10. So no attorneys will take on the cases because they can't get paid. The out-of-pocket cost just for a basic lawsuit is 250000 in a medical malpractice suit. Well, our suit is now, it has five claims. They're estimating the legal fees to be somewhere between six hundred fifty dollars and 750000 Just the fees. You know, so you can, we did this because we're trying to expose and shed light on evil. So the first thing we did that was extraordinary is we sued, in addition to Ascension Hospital System, which, you know, that's who everybody sues is the hospital system because they've got the money, but that doesn't matter to us. So we sued five doctors and two nurses who were directly involved with Grace's murder, and we left the door open to sue more as we go through discovery. We're in discovery right now. And so we left the door open so that we can do an amended complaint. I'm just going to read these doctors and nurses' names because I think it's important. I think that uh, I was going to read them I, if you didn't. I yeah, was going to read I, them because I, they said they didn't know them. And these nurses are on LinkedIn. And one of them got absolutely. some award. And, and the irony that the hospital is called Ascension. It should be oh, called. I know. It's, it, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, anyway, I was going to read them, but please, yeah, let's get these names out. So, and I'm going to explain what each role was. And I, first of all, I want to say that, you know, my goal of reading these names is to bring them to repentance because, you know, Kate, you don't want your worst enemy to spend eternity in hell. And this is, it's the most important thing that could happen because if the medical profession repented, this would be over because they are the front lines implementing this agenda and we have been programmed to trust the white coat. We're, we've been programmed to believe they're following the Hippocratic Oath and all kinds of lies. Anyway, the, the list of doctors, so Gavin Shokar, he's the doctor who ordered the meds that the med combination, Presidex, lorazepam, and morphine that killed Grace. Uh, David Beck, he was the attending physician, so he was basically the overseer. Uh, Shokar was the, they call him a hospitalist, basically the salesperson. Uh, Daniel Leonard, he was um, one of the more aggressive doctors at the beginning that was trying to convince us of a protocol that was a lie. Carl Baum, he was another hospitalist that uh, was in the room before Dr. Shokar took over. And then uh, Ramana Murata, he's the one that set in motion the idea of trying to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator, which was never necessary. Grace was never on a ventilator. Then the two nurses involved, Holly McGinnis, she's the one who got the award that you mentioned. She yeah. is the one who delivered the med. She has 14 years of ICU experience at and, and, this and hospital. Scott, Scott, can I just interrupt here? Give them an award. Outside of, 14, you, 14 <laughs> years. Four, yeah, 14 years of experience. And she gave two drugs. The half-life is really long, so they would have been still in her body and then comes in with another drug. You know, I am a trained and qualified independent nurse prescriber. And when you know this because you interviewed me, when I saw the amount of drugs and the time limit that it was given in, I, I knew right then and there it would have killed her, which is what it did. Uh 
This is a nurse with 14 years experience given an award. How, how can she even defend herself in a court of law on that one? Go ahead. Well, I agree. I mean, it'll be quite interesting when we, we get our day in court, which, by the way, is our first. It's a three-week jury trial. The first day is the day before the presidential election, November 4th of 2024. And I'll get to that timeline. The, the last nurse that's listed is Allison Barkholtz. She was the head nurse, and she's the one that came in the room on October 10th. Grace's last day on earth was October 13th of 2021. I was taken out by an armed guard at her request on October 10th of 2021. So now we jump into the, the lawsuit itself. We filed on April 11th. And at that filing, what happened, Kate, was everybody, all, all seven defend or all seven uh, individual defendants plus the hospital had to respond by May 15th. They all did. And we received two partial motions to dismiss, and the judge heard those partial motions on July 14th. And that's when he, he set up the jury trial on July 14th already, which was, I mean, we were ecstatic. It was the first day Cindy and I celebrated since Grace's murder. Well, at that hearing, he also requested that our team put together an amended complaint because what they have done, and they as the cabal, the antichrist legal system, they have made a battery of lack of informed consent is a battery. But through the creative court system, uh, they have made that battery a medical malpractice. So it's not intentional. It's an accident. And so the judge asked us to separate out our battery claim, which we did. We filed an amended complaint on July 28th. Of course, that set off a whole firestorm and a couple more motions to dismiss and we those motions to dismiss were heard on October 30th and that's a huge huge deal so October 30th just a month ago we received the best news of all which is our we separated out our battery claim as a common law battery and I'm going to read some things from our our legal team's brief in opposition so we have the first common law battery claim that's going to be heard at the first jury trial and the first common law battery claim in over five decades, Kate, this is huge. It, if we win this at trial, it will open up a floodgate so that every single person, when they're in a medical situation, can have the charge be not an accident, not medical malpractice, not and negligence, Scott, that Scott, it's a battery. Just to, say, just to say, for everyone who's thinking this is America, what happens in America in the legal system, we can use here. We can use that case as a precedent. That's exactly why this is important for all of us, all of us. And uh, the, the battery goes not just for, for what happened to Grace being murdered with a huge amounts of, I, I can't get my head around that nurse, with that syringe going in with that final shot. I mean, it's it's a good job I wasn't there. I'd have been arrested and dragged out because I'd have been in a massive scrap. But you know what? This is all all for the COVID vaccines, any vaccines, any vaccines without true informed consent. This case is so important, so important. That's correct. Scott, please this, do continue. Well, this, this uh, covers vaccine injuries and death also because what we're talking about is a common law battery. And this it's critical. And I want to explain uh, through the legal teams writing a common law battery. So first, what they did, Kate, was they laid the ground rules 
relative to what the rule of law is. So the rule of law really required the judge to let this case go forward. This does not mean the judge is in our favor. That's not the point. But he he followed the rule of law. So the first thing they did in our brief in opposition, they wrote, quote, in analyzing the motions, the court should accept all allegations in plaintiff's amended complaint as true. The complaint is only insufficient if it appears to be a certainty that no relief can be granted under any set of facts which plaintiff could prove. So we set the stage that this is the rule of law, judge, and you're required to follow it. So why don't judges do that? Well, some of them want to rule from the bench. Some of them have been bought. Some of them have a gun to their head. And so one thing people could pray for is this judge's safety, because he is going out on a limb and saying it shouldn't be a limb to follow the rule of law, but he is going out on a limb. He, he knows this is how big this case is. So then what they did next, Kate, was they separated out lack of informed consent from a common law battery to make it crystal clear to the judge what's going on here and what he's ruling on. So here I'm going to quote again, Kate. They wrote, imagine a physician who fails to inform a patient about the risks of a leg amputation but the patient does agree to have his leg amputated. This violates the duty to obtain conformed consent under state statute. So the doctor didn't tell the whole truth. Okay, so that would violate informed consent because informed consent presumes you gave some consent or some information, you just didn't give the whole truth. Now imagine a physician who amputates a patient's leg without obtaining consent or telling the patient or the patient's family what he is even doing. And in this case, removing the patient's power of attorney and parent from the hospital first, which was me, that is a battery. So you didn't get any information. Yeah, Scott, Scott, that's a murder. That's getting everybody out of the way so that they continue with their filthy, dirty deed. That's exactly what it is. There's no other get everybody out the way that might object or see what's happening. That's what it looks like to me. And so that that nurse can go in with that amount. We're going to take a quick break from our sponsors, a word, and then we're going to come back and I'm just going to go straight into Scott telling us about the case to the top of the hour. And you really need to get behind this and follow it. And we're going to have Scott on again. We will see justice done in this life and it will definitely be done in the next. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. It's for the greater good. Have you noticed how often you've heard that expression? Mostly every time someone's advocating taking your rights away, the greater good. It connotes the old phrase, the common good, right? We're doing this for the common good. And we're gonna, yes, we're taking some of your income, but we're doing it for the common good. Well, that's shifted now to the greater good. Greater for whom? Never seems to be greater for me or for you always seems to be greater for them. And who gets to decide for whom it's greater? Why? Well, they do, of course. Be silly to allow you and me to be able to determine what's in the greater good and for whom. This is the insidious underbelly of the totalitarian governmental impulse. And it's not just here in the United States. It's in Ireland, it's in the EU, it's in Australia and New Zealand. China, they don't even have to bother about it. They do what they're told. That's the entire essence of a totalitarian regime. But what's scary 
is how many democratic regimes want to emulate the totalitarian regimes. For the greater good, I'll take a hard pass. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling. But we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy. And I want them to see me working through things. Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle. That even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're going to figure it out together. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm Kate Shimarani, the natural nurse in a toxic world. And you can email me your medical crimes in tyrannical times, Kate Shimarani at tntradio.live. Well, today, people will be losing their lives all over the world under the guise of end of life care. And should you happen to have uh, in the UK, uh, clinical frailty score five, that might mean that you can dig a hole outside and put a little plant in it, but you couldn't dig your own grave. Uh, they'll decide if you present with breathing problems and you're over 18, whether you're going to get any care. You might actually get given your um, end of life drugs in your house, in the ambulance. Anyone can give them. This is fact. It's no different to Action T4. It's just the same old kill machine with a different a different title. Well, Grace Shara, clearly, with this particular nurse and the amount of drugs, I saw, I've seen what she was given. I've seen the medical documents and I was speechless because it's horrific because I knew it would, it would kill and it did very quickly. Well, Grace is everyone. And what they didn't bank on was Grace's parents who are very different. And her father has fought tirelessly and now they've got it into the courts. The nurses are quaking in their boots because he's going after the doctors and the nurses. So we're gonna leave the floor till a few minutes before we finish and let Scott tell us everything else. And please, uh, you know, when Scott tells us where we can get a hold of them, where we can read the updates on the trial, please get behind this because this is for you, for me, for your children, for everybody, because nobody gets out of this alive. Nobody does. Scott, please continue. Again, you said a mouthful and, and you're right. When you just mentioned the frailty scoring and there's also futility scoring, you know, this is happening all across the world. Some countries have formalized it, some do it behind the scenes. But you know, we're doing this because you know, Grace had a disability, of course but we are, they're coming after all of us. And just to put it bluntly, every single person, you and I, Kate, are one car accident away from being disabled, but it's not just the disabled and elderly they're coming for, it's, it's all of us because there's an agenda to hasten our death and hastening death is murder. So this is a big deal. And before I jump into the, the other piece of the lawsuit, I wanna tell people in the last six weeks, we lost two Down syndrome people in Wisconsin and we lost them to this agenda. But what's going wow. on, remember I said at the beginning, Kate, that if I would have known you before Grace went in the hospital, Grace would be alive today. Well, both of these families reached out to us, but they reached out you know, partially. And in the case of the Down syndrome man, he lost his life in the same hospital Grace did. We have billboards up in the local area. The sister called me because of the billboards and I walked every, through her everything with her and she was awake. But the mom 
who was 84 years old and had power of attorney, said, we can't do that. We got to play nice. I believe the white coat. And this man lost his life because of her belief, the mom's belief. And this is why I'm out speaking every chance I can get, because until you change a person's belief and they believe what's happening, they're not going to change their actions, Kate. I mean, you know that. And they, 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 these are the hospitals, the scare homes, the National Homicide Service. There's a, a small percentage that's emergency care if you go into the emergency room. And the rest of it is degenerative care. But the hospitals right. in the UK make their money from how many people they put on end of life care. This is a killer gender. It's a killer right. gender. And they're using the very people that you trust because you've been indoctrinated. And this is what's happening. And it's happening every yeah. day every minute and you need to start seeing them for what they are you walk in authority they work for you and right now most right. of them that are working in this this area they're angels of death and the doctors are not to be idolized they're to be scrutinized scrutinized every step of the way that's that's right on i want to i'm going to read one other thing from this document but i also would tell everyone listening that kate's right about this case setting precedent it can already be setting precedent now because what i'm quoting i put on grace's website so the main website is ouramazinggrace.net you'll see that there's a spot for for the legal and i put this brief in opposition there so what i'm quoting from can be used right now so the introduction was setting the stage for the rule of law then I went through the next paragraph, which defined a battery versus uh, informed consent. So now we have a common law battery claim. And then the last piece I want to read, we went on the offensive, Kate. And this is this is huge. So I'm going to read this offensive uh, statement because we wanted to set the stage for the judge so that he knew what he is deciding. So the attorneys wrote, defendants want this court to rule that a patient with Down syndrome can be intentionally restrained intentionally deprived of advocacy and intentionally administered deadly sedatives all without consent. And these actions are simple medical negligence. So assuming battery under medical negligence in such a way would make hospitals walled gardens where any intentional misconduct would be treated as simple negligence. Indeed, defendants envision a world where there is no common law claim for the failure of health of a healthcare provider to obtain consent that falls outside of the medical malpractice statutes. In this world, an unethical or financially motivated physician may administer deadly drugs without consent for malign purposes, including making room for new patients. The physician's liability would be limited under the medical malpractice statute and even that liability is subject to insurance coverage. So that's blunt. And I am so happy to work with this team. Uh, I have been working together with them arm in arm to put these type of documents together. And they knocked it out of the park with this. It's incredible. I, Like I say, I've seen the documents and I imagined Grace going into the hospital she, she looked like her mom, actually, I have to say, going into the hospital, not very well. You weren't very well. Shortly after that, you were given completely different treatment, but Grace wasn't. And she wanted to get out of bed. She kept wanting to get out of bed, but they just kept giving her more drugs. They kept giving her more drugs. Her beloved sister was with her and begged for help. 
And the nonchalant nurse just said, she's a DNR. I mean, I, even that, just, just to lean back and from the chair and their DNR, no empathy. Even if she, let's say she did have some terrible disease and she was dying. No empathy. These are, these are paid assassins. They're paid assassins. Stop idolizing these, these assassins. I've, I've, I've stood with Grace's parents. I've hooked them. The pain is palpable. It's palpable. I came off the stage and Scott was waiting and I hugged him because I'd mentioned Grace. It's palpable. Oh, so what, where are we at? When's, tell us the case. When is it? What do you intend to happen? These nurses have got to go on that stand. Oh, I would, you know, it's worth, it's worth coming to America for. It's worth me flying out. Somebody, if you want to fly me out, I'm coming. I would love to be there. I would, well, I would I, love I to be there with a bullhorn. Yeah, <laughs> I am looking forward to it. What's, uh, you know, Grace had such a sense of humor, Kate, and my sense of humor is coming back. And it's it's nice to have it back. But, you know, the only thing I'm not looking forward to with the trial is the attorneys say I have to wear a suit every day. So it's like, oh, man, you know, that. <laughs> so that's the only thing I'm not looking forward to. But, yes, we're in discovery right now. Last week, we sent out the first set of interrogatories. Those are the written questions that they have to answer. And I think they have 28 days to answer. Ultimately, uh, all of that. Uh, rolls up into the deposition process, which that's where we really get into the meat. And we're going to find out uh, a lot of information that we don't have. So we're looking forward, you know, personally, I'm looking forward to the deposition process. I'll be sitting in every single deposition um, because I know if they're telling the truth or not. So I'll be sitting in the depositions to make sure that that we are on our toes the entire time. So it's, it's going to be an awful lot of work coming up. There's a little bit of a lull before the storm right now while we're in this uh, first step of discovery. There's deadlines that the judges set all the way through. The next official deadline in court is October 1st and 2nd. Uh, that's the pre-trial conference. And he's expecting that the defense is going to make a request for summary judgment. One last Hail Mary to uh, try to throw out the case. I say Hail Mary because this is a Catholic hospital system. So you can see I'm trying to weave in my little sense of humor, Kate. Uh, I do want to say something about nurses because, you know, we, we used to think that nurses are advocates. And they were. They were the last line of defense. They were the ones who could stop um a doctor from doing something that was going to kill a patient, but now they have become accomplices. So they went from advocates to accomplices. They are still supposed to, according to their code of professional conduct, they are still supposed to. And above all of it, they must, must work within the law. So straight away. We did try to throw the nurses out of the case at the beginning. Uh, Praise God that, you know, our entire case is intact yet. The whole thing, all five claims and all the defendants, you know, so you're, you know, these nurses are critical to get them on the stand uh, because they knew they were the insiders that knew what happened. They're the ones who, who killed Grace. I mean, they could have stopped it. The nurse with, I mean, we're focusing on the nurse with 14 years experience. That's 14 years of ICU experience at that hospital. She had regular nursing experience and ICU experience at another hospital. So 
you know, when I saw all of these pieces, Kate, you know, this is a civil case, it's not a murder case, but I realized when I saw all the pieces that had to be put in place to deliver those meds, that's when I came to grips with Grace was murdered. You know, and we're hopeful that we're going to have the opportunity to pursue a murder charge. Um, you know, we'll see how things shake out. But, you know, there's two pieces to every case. It's like the O.J. Simpson trial. There is the the murder piece of it and then the civil piece of it. So, so he ended up paying in the civil case. But, you know, the, the standard for murder is a higher standard. And, you know, that presumes, of course, that the, the people who are pulling the strings are in search of the truth, which, you know, that's, uh, that's takes quite a leap to believe that. Scott, where can people find you to follow the case? And also just to say, you know what, that nurse with all that experience, she's one of thousands of nurses worldwide. She would have known. She would have already known that they were killing Grace and it was just steps to the death just giving her more and more and more. She would have known that, absolutely known it. And she would have injected it. And she believed she was above the law. Just like lots of you nurses in the UK, Australia, Canada, you believe you're above the law. And guess what? You're not. And I've had the case of Lucy Letby on here. Um, without a doubt, she was a whistleblower. Look what they did to her, put her in jail for life. They're gonna throw you lot under the bus and, and I, I don't have people have said, oh, I know we should, but we should forgive. It, yeah, I do forgive you for your sins, but, but you've got to repent and, and you're going to stand in judgment. Definitely in this life, if, if we all have anything to do with it, because something's got to stop you believing that you have the right to ignore the sanctity of life and take it. Scott, where can people find you and read about the case and keep up with it all? Yeah, and you're right. I mean, we want them to repent, but that doesn't mean they don't have a consequence. So those are two separate issues. I would like everybody listening to go to gracesharer.com. Shara is S-C-H-A-R-A. Put in your name and email address. And that's all we're asking for right now. The reason is, is we're creating a database of people who want to follow the case. My daughter, Jessica, is sending out regular updates to that list. But we're expecting we're going to be creating some causes of action as the case proceeds, because we have no idea what steps uh, are are going to be um, laid in front of us. So that's why we're asking for that simple step right now to go to gracesharer.com, put in your name and email, and you will be signed up for the newsletter that my daughter Jessica sends out regularly. Scott Shara, thank you so much for coming on TNT Radio Live and giving us an update. And Grace Shara, you will live on, lady. You are setting your name in history like no one could believe. And uh, we all have a purpose. And um, I was very blessed to meet you and your wife. Thank you so much for the update. And we will have you back on, Scott. And Godspeed. God is with you all the way. You know, when, when, when you're feeling, I can't do this, I can't do this, just recite Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd every way. And give your wife a big hug from me. Well, folks, we're coming to the end of the show. Christmas is upon us. Um, I bet you've got your body weight and mince pies bought and uh, every other thing that's going to kill you slowly. If the, if the uh, morphine and midazolam and the syringe driver doesn't, eggnog is going to. Eggnog, mince pies and every other bit of tat that you're buying and eroding your bank account down to a great big hole in the floor. Me? 
Kate Shomorani, I'm going to be back next week with more medical crimes in tyrannical times and also some jovial stuff. And you'll be pleased to know I'm here Christmas Eve as well. And I'm here, I think, New Year's Eve because I don't take a day off because you're my fam. And I love you all, each and every one of you. Even your husband who said, oh, God, it's her again that always mentions her biological vagina. Yes, I'm sitting on it because there are only two genders. See you all next week. TNT Radio Live.